Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. that today is Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday. And um, I'm very thankful for what this day represents, uh, represents for us, especially in the world of Christendom. I just want to share something with you that was a blessing to me. Amen. I, I don't believe that blessings are just given to us for us to hoard them, but I want to pass them along and uh, bless others. And so I was blessed and I trust that I can share something with you that will bless you today. Palm Sunday, of course, if you read the 21st chapter of the book of St. Matthew, um, you could read uh, down about the first 11 verses or so and it would kind of be a recap or a highlight of the story of Palm Sunday. And, it, and if you read that, that can briefly catch us up uh, and refresh that story in our minds. Jesus told two of his disciples to go into a village near them and, uh, and get a donkey and her colt. And he said, I want you to bring them back. And if anybody asks you why you need them, you just tell them that the Lord hath need of them. The Lord hath need of them. That seems like a strange request, but actually it was the fulfillment of prophecy of Zechariah 9 and 9. Amen, those words were that the kingdom cometh unto you meek and sitting on the, on the colt of an ass. Amen, that's what the Old Testament prophets said. And so the enter, entry of Jesus uh, into Jerusalem has been what we term that triumphant entry, the triumphant entry. The Bible says that great multitudes of people gathered and, uh, and they as they saw Jesus coming into the city, that they laid their garments down as a, as a sign of just honor uh, that uh, you know, we would say roll out the red carpet and uh, we do things of that. It's, it's, a, it's a sign, a signal that that person is important and um, before then they just laid out their garments. The Bible says others of them cut down branches from uh, the palm trees and they placed them in their way, in his way. And so we now read those uh, words that have, frozen in our heart, in our mind, because the multitude was crying out to him. It was a declaration of who was entering into the city. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest. So this was a very, very important day. Certainly it is an important day in the world of Christianity. In short, Palm Sunday recalls the event of this scripture. However, in truth, we know, again, Brother Bird this morning mentioned this, that uh, this was the beginning of a week, but it was, it was going to be a very tumultuous time. And uh, it would certainly, 
would be stand a reason that if you know the story or if you read the story, that the events of this day set in motion perhaps one of the most chaotic weeks to date. The pendulum would swing one way extremely. Hosanna, amen, blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. But that pendulum would swing so fast and so far in the other direction. Amen, it was the beginning of, of um, it was the beginning of an unbelievable set of circumstance, especially if we look at it only through human eyes. No doubt the disciples, uh, those that were there, were thinking as people were laying down their garments and palms and crying out unto the Lord, they're thinking, this is gonna be a great week. Everything's gonna work out wonderful. But things were about to change very, very quick. To be sure, Jesus himself was not going to be surprised by the unfolding events. It would just be those that followed him. Jesus was saying to them things like this. He said, you know that after two days is the feast of the Passover and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. So it was clear that Jesus had a, had a real understanding of what was about to happen. Amen. He knew something that no one else in that close-knit circle of friends knew. Later in the same week, Jesus would send his disciples to town and uh, on his behalf and, and uh, he was saying things to them. My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples and, and uh, their hearts were filled with gladness and, and uh, they, were, they were excited about the events but there, was a, there had to be a sense of heaviness and if I may even say a sense of urgency in the heart of Jesus because he looked at those seated there with him and he said among those 12 people, this had to be an awkward conversation. I don't know how you feel when I read this passage of scripture. Um, I try to place myself at that table or in that room, in that setting, whatever it may be. But here's Jesus talking to 12 people that are in the room with him. And he said, verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. God, that would be a little bit of a wet blanket on a good time, wouldn't it? And it would certainly give reason for whispers in the room and, and uh, nobody wants to just turn and stare the other person in the eye, but you know you're trying to kind of sneak a peek every time you get a chance and opportunity, understanding no one there was a stranger. No one there was anything less than a, than a hand-picked select few by the Lord. That meant that one of his faithful 12 was going to betray him. And soon they would find themselves on the Mount of Olives and the events that would unfold next would be chronicled for the ages. Jesus was trying to get these men to see the gravity of the situation, but in all honesty, they, like you and I, were allowing their egos and their own pride to get in the way. It was that crusty, outspoken Simon Peter. He kind of let it be known, you know, that nothing's gonna offend me. You can count on me. I'm here all the way to the end. <laughs> but Jesus stopped him in his tracks. And he said, verily I say unto you that this day, even this night, before the cock crows twice, you shall deny me thrice or three times. That was kind of, a, again, a little bit of an awkward situation. I'm here, I'm all the way with you. And he said, you're not even gonna make it to midnight. Simon Peter tried to, to deny that reality and others were piping up and saying similar things. Each in their own way was saying, you can count me in. 
I'm here for the duration. They were declaring their dedication to the cause. However, when they got to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus told most of the disciples to just stay behind. You stay a certain way, a certain ways back. But then he took with him, Peter, James, and John, a little further. Jesus asked them to stay there and watch while he went a little further to pray. But if you know the story, that they only watched for a little while because they soon fell asleep. And they were awakened by Jesus. And he said, can't you just tarry with me one hour? Again, a question that seems to pierce to the very soul. It was on the heels of this event that an angry mob of men would step in and they indeed and in fact would change the course of everything. All these disciples could see were torches that were coming to them in the night, maybe the glaring, shining uh, edge of a sharp sword or a spear. And sadly, among this mob of unfamiliar faces was a familiar face. And that familiar face was one of the 12 that was sitting in the room. When Jesus said, one of you will betray me, it's no longer a secret. They know now it is Judas, Judas Iscariot. Amen. Ironically, even in this moment of betrayal, Jesus referred to Judas as friend. Amen. It's in your Bible. Perhaps it was that unique choice of words that brought the full impact of this moment home because even in that moment of betrayal, Jesus understood the fulfillment of it all and he called him friends. It had to be a chaotic next few moments. It had to be. They tied Jesus up to take him away and things were rapidly going from bad to worse. Again, here is Simon Peter, that unpredictable character of them all, reaches for his sword, cuts off the ear of Malca, and Jesus just does what Jesus does. He reaches down in the dirt and the dust, picks his ear up and reattaches it. And so Jesus is healing one that hated him. He was healing one that came to crucify him or to kill him. Amen, this act of kindness did nothing to change their blood-soaked plans. You would think that somebody would have said, you know, we need to pause this right here. There's something up. This is not an ordinary man, but it did nothing to change their plans. They just led him away, and sadly, it was at this moment that his disciples, for the most part, just dispersed. Amen. He, his very own, were now thrust into some dark shadows of doubt what had just happened and how did this happen and how did it happen so fast? Earlier in the week, people were welcoming Jesus and now they're arresting him. They took him to be questioned to a Sanhedrin court. They were laughing and mocking and, and uh, it was kangaroo court at its finest for sure. Amen, everything that Jesus had prophesied was coming to pass, however, just as he said. And then they paraded him off to Pilate. Pilate could find no fault in him. And so Pilate thinks, well, the only thing I know to do is send him to Herod. And so they send him to Herod, but Herod couldn't do anything with him either. So Herod just sent him back to Pilate. I mean, somebody needs to pause and realize something's going on here. Amen. All of this is taking place. I'm just gonna use this. Maybe this is an issue of debate in the minds of some, but we'll just say for the, for the sake of our understanding and how we, how we acknowledge this, at least in our culture, all of this on Friday. At one point, Pilate thought he had the answer to this angry mob. Maybe Pilate thought I could offer them someone else in exchange for Jesus, 
because after all, we begin to sense that he is an innocent man. In addition to that, we know that Pilate's wife was also in his ear saying, you don't need to have anything to do with this. And so Pilate is torn between the voice of his wife, which was the voice of reason, and, uh, and, and now an angry mob and being pulled between his responsibilities. And so, and so Pilate has what he thinks could be a plan. Maybe we can just exchange someone, one's life for another. Perhaps he thought Barabbas instead of Jesus because Barabbas was a local criminal. Barabbas was a common name. They had read of him in the paper. <laughs> they had seen his most wanted picture in the post office. They knew Barabbas and so Pilate thinks, I've got a surefire plan here because if they want, just want blood, maybe they'll just take Maybe they'll just take Barabbas, but much to his surprise, when he offered freedom, they said, give us Barabbas. Set him free, but they want to crucify Jesus. Pilate must have been stunned. Against his better judgment, Pilate consented to give Jesus for him to be crucified. It was here that Pilate tried to wash his hands. He tried to cleanse himself. He tried to distance himself, but you can't wash your hands from a situation like that. They led Jesus away to Calvary. They led him up that hill, laid him on the cross, nailed his hands and feet to a cross, amen, and they, they crucified him there on Calvary, amen. That was Friday, a day that someone could have never imagined possible because it wasn't all that long ago. It was Hosanna to the highest. It wasn't all that long ago don't step on that dust or don't step in that puddle. You step on my garment or on these palms. Amen. From Hosanna, the voices went from Hosanna to crucify all in the same week. The disciples of Jesus, you see, they, they on this day, they woke up to a different world on Saturday. They woke up to a different world. Friday night must have seemed like a blur and perhaps they, like some of us in our own minds, have, have awakened and thought, well, maybe everything I've been going through is not really real. It's just, just I just thought this happened. But you see, Saturday, the dawning of Saturday, the, the rising of the sun on Saturday was proof that Friday really did happen. Maybe they thought it had had just been a bad dream, but it was not a dream. It really happened, and this was Saturday. Amen. So today, I've waited till now to give you my sermon title, and my sermon title this morning is Saturday's Conversations. Saturday's Conversations. We know what happened Friday, and we know what happened Sunday, but it's Saturday. It's Saturday. It's somewhere in that murky middle they're going to be called on here Saturday to decide what they're going to do. You see, it's the Saturday conversations. It's the Saturdays of our life that throw us a curve that we have no way to anticipate. It's the Saturdays that we, we could not, we couldn't see around the curve or we could not judge the distance, the magnitude, nor weigh the circumstance before us. Of course, I believe today, and uh, I've pastored this church long enough to know uh, that almost everyone here this morning could pull out our pen and our pencil and we could fill in our own blank 
we could each and every one of us talk about our own personal Saturdays. I didn't say Saturday. Saturdays. Because we've all had plenty of Saturdays. Most people in this room have woken up on those Saturdays. We survived the chaos of Friday, even though it seemed like an impossibility, but now it's a new day and we are left with nothing more or less than carnage followed by critical decisions. Saturday is the time in your life when, when we realize that we really are on this path. It looks woefully different than the path behind us the path before us looks woefully different than the path behind us. And it would be so nice, it would be so handy if somehow the Bible just told us what these men did on Saturday. But it's a little quiet. There's some things, of course. If there were just some spiritual template that we could lay down and draw it out and we could just make it fit our life, our Saturday. If we could figure out how they handled their Saturday, then we would know how to handle our Saturday. We know about the bloody details of Friday and we certainly now know about the triumphant details of Sunday, but it's Saturday that seems to be silent in scripture. All we know is that the disciples were drowning in fear and rightfully so, and that doubt was crouching its way into their life and rightly so. Amen, they're trying to figure out how are we supposed to face life without Jesus? How are we supposed to face life in the absence of the one that brought us right here to this very threshold? And so again, I'm speaking to people this morning that I personally know have lived through several Saturdays of your life. You woke up and you had to figure out what am I gonna do from this point? Amen, we had to have those as for me and my house moments. Amen, can I get a witness today? As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We just have to have, to have some fundamental things that we go back to the roots, we go back to the index, we go right back to the beginning and say, well, it's Saturday and I, I, it, it doesn't look like it did yesterday or Thursday or Monday before. Amen, we've lived through some utter madness on Friday and, and now we have been pressed, shoehorned, if you please, into the uncertainty of Saturday. Perhaps some have been living in your Saturday for a long time, amen. Or maybe, uh, maybe there are others that your Saturday has not even arrived. Maybe this is a preemptive message for you this morning, amen. Maybe it's a few days from now that you're gonna wake up to your Saturday where I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do with the compass of my life. I'm gonna have to reset it. Now, since the Bible is silent on so many of the details concerning the disciples during this time, I'm just gonna take a little speaker liberty. Is that all right? I won't be dangerous or crazy in my estimation anyway. I think it's entirely possible that some of them gathered. Slowly but surely, the words of Jesus begin to make their way back into their heart and their mind. They begin to reflect on things that Jesus had shared with them all along the way. They couldn't hear it then because that's not what they wanted to hear. When Jesus tried to bring up certain things, Brother Williams, we know many times, they said, we don't want to talk about that. 
We don't want to hear about that. But now, all of a sudden, the dust is settling. The feathers are making their way. Gravity is taking hold. Things are settling back down. And, and Jesus said things, and it's now slowly coming home. Like the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. They weren't in the frame of mind to receive that them then, but it didn't make it any less of a promise. Amen. Just because the Lord says something that we're not ready to hear doesn't make it any less true. It doesn't make it any less of a promise. They, they reflected on those moments and then begin to realize something, that what he was saying is right. This really did happen yesterday. I am in the muddy middle of my Saturday, but there is a Sunday coming. If he was right about yesterday, then he's gonna be right about tomorrow because Jesus is the same, can somebody help me? Yesterday, today, and forever, amen. And so then if what he said was going to come and that has come to pass, then he's not gonna put a period now where he hadn't put it before, amen. If he was right about yesterday, then he is right about tomorrow, amen. And so what they, need, what they needed to do now was survive their Saturday. You survive your Saturday by Saturday conversations. Saturday, that awkward day that is sandwiched between the memory of Friday's trial and the hope of Sunday's triumph. Saturday, that weird moment in time. Amen. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come. And so as they come, I want you to please hear me out. To the saints of God who have lived or you are living sandwiched between this proverbial Friday trial and Sunday's triumph. If that's you today, to those who wake now, or maybe to those who will wake soon, I hope this message gives you direction and hope. Because when we are faced with what do I do now? Amen. We gotta hold on to the word that God has given us before we got here because he never lets us walk into something unannounced. We may not have heard it because we weren't ready for it. We may not have received it because we weren't prepared. We may not have received it because other things got in our way. But if we can just hold on to the word that God gave us, it doesn't matter how that word came to you. If it came to you in prayer, if it came to you at church, if it came in a sermon, if it came in a song, if it came in a dream, if it came as a word directly spoken to you, hold on to the word that God gives each and every one of us. Amen. I wanna leave you some words as I close here today and I'll ask you to stand. I wanna leave you some words that I believe can sustain us. during our Saturdays. Jesus said to everyone, lo, 
I am with you always, even to the end. That doesn't just apply to my neighbor. That's not to the man in the room next door. That's not to the house in another town. That's not to another people. I am with you always. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I'm talking about Saturday conversations. When I can't make sense of my world, this is what Saturday conversations ought to be all about. Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He did say in this world you will have tribulation. He did say that. But he didn't say in this world you shall have tribulation, slam his book, walk out the side door. He said in this world you shall have, tri- you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I'm talking about Saturday conversations. He said, I have inscribed you in the palm of my hand. (laughs) You're with me always. The word says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth that he might show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Saturday conversations. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Saturday conversations. You see, almost every conversation needs one critical element. And that critical element is to keep that conversation on track. If I if I have shared this um, just be patient and bear with me today. But a few, um, a few months ago, back in, in the month of November of last year, I was in Houston at a meeting and while sitting in a meeting, I was talking to a man that I've met several times. I would say we're probably more acquaintances than friends. And he knew I was from Florida and uh, the conversation led. He asked me, he said, do you know a man by the name of so-and-so? I said, yes, I, I know him well. And he said, I want to tell you something that happened to me. I was just 17 years old. Now, this man is probably in his mid to late 60s, I'm guessing, maybe closer to 70. And he said, when I was 17 years old, I was in a room and people were gathered up and, and we were just kind of taking a break. And he said, as we were sitting there, somebody walked into that circle And he said, you could tell they had some real juicy gossip they were wanting to share. And he said, as they began to talk about someone in a a negative way, one man, and that was the man he asked me about, he said, that man spoke up and he said, you know, do you think it's just possible that we could talk about something else? He said, in an instant, the only person offended was the man that wanted to, the only person offended was the man from the National Enquirer, you know. Everybody else is on board. And as a 17-year-old young man, he never forgot that moment because you see, every conversation needs that critical element, somebody that can steer, that rudder, that compass that can keep that on edge. And so if your Saturday conversations don't include something like this, you need a better rudder. You need a 
more accurate compass. Amen. You need, you need someone that can steer that conversation back that says, you remember that time the, the scripture says, he knows the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. When somebody tries to light a candle and take it another way, somebody needs to speak up and say, you remember that time David said, I have been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Saturday conversations. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Jesus Christ. Somebody that could say, you know, that reminds me. That reminds me of something else. He was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Somebody in the corner can't hardly wait for them to finish quoting that verse because it's coming out. Their lips are already moving. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Saturday conversations. What will we do with our Saturdays? Whether it was Saturday or not, you get the point. What do we do with our Saturdays? I tell you what I want to do. I want to remember the words that God gave me before I found myself in that season. And I'm going to have to write them down. Amen. I'm going to have to write them down. I hope this is appropriate to say, but the Lord gave me a promise many years ago. He's given me many promises, but the Lord gave me a significant promise and he brought it to me in an undeniable way. And I just, I know I've shared it, but I feel like sharing this again. I was, my wife was in Ocala at a ladies conference. I was not going to ladies conference that year. I was here doing busy. I needed to take care of some things here when she was the hostess that year of Sister Priscilla Magruder. And when she got to Ocala, she did not realize that Brother Magruder, her husband, had decided to come with her for the conference. And so my wife calls me. She said, you need to get down here because I don't want to be by myself taking them out to eat and things of that nature. And so um, I said, okay, I'll, I'll be there. And I got dressed and, and uh, I went and we took her to church that night, the first night. And brought her back to the hotel after service was over. The next morning, when we picked her up to take her to church, she was our guest, one of our guest speakers. She looked at me and she said, my husband would like for the four of us to have lunch today. I said, that's great. I always wanted to meet Brother Magruder and my first time meeting her, our first time meeting her. When I picked them, we after church went by the hotel to pick them up, pick him up, he got in the vehicle with us and immediately, immediately, he began to give me a word that the Lord had given him. It took me just a minute to figure out what was going on. Now, I'm sorry that I'm that carnal. <laughs> I was driving the car. I was trying to get out on 200 in Ocala. If you've ever been on 200 in Ocala, then you, don't, you know the rest of that story. But I've been praying about some very specific things, Brother Pope, very specific things. And the man that I had never met before was sitting right beside me and he was talking about all those things that God, that I've been talking to God about. I was, 
I was just an, a basket case. I started crying and weeping at Sister Magruder. She, is, she was a very anointed. They're both going on to meet the Lord now, but both very anointed and mildly used of God. When Sister Magruder was in the back seat just talking to my wife, they were just talking about lady stuff, I guess. And all of a sudden, Sister Magruder realized what was going on and she leaned up and laid her hand on her husband's shoulder and she began to pray. I'm talking about like war. And so we were going to actually now meet other people to eat and we got to the restaurant. I was just, a, I, just I had been crying all the way there. I needed a few minutes to get myself together. We went in and ate. We came back to the car and as soon as we sat down, he just picked up where he left off and just continued to talk about all the things. When she called on what was going on again, she leans up again. She's just locked, she's just locked on. We drive back to the hotel. We get out of the the car. I don't even know how to process all this. I mean, how there's no way this could not be God. And so they went to their room. We went to our room. We had just a few hours to rest between the services and my wife and I are trying to process what just happened. We laid down in our, in our hotel room and uh, turned out the light. And honestly, the room had just barely gotten dark when the hotel phone rang which was on my wife's side of the bed. And I just heard her answer the phone and I heard her say, yes, sir, hang on just a minute. And she stretched the phone over to me and it was Brother Magruder on the other end of the phone. And he said, Brother Boyd, he said, I don't know how to tell you the rest of this, but I just wanna share with you what happened. He said, I have a great friend on the West Coast. That's all he said. And he said, he is mildly used of the Lord and through the years he has God has used him to help me in several areas. He said, I'm just trying to tell you all that to tell you that you can trust this man. And he said, I just got in my room, obviously. And he said, my cell phone rang. And he said, I knew his number and his name and my phone. And he said, I'm getting ready to just open our conversation like we normally would. And he said, before I could say a word, that man said, you need to tell that preacher one more thing. Yes, sir. And that one more thing has become my daily promise. That one more thing was powerfully significant. That one more thing was larger than I could ever get my mind around. And so some days, when it's Saturday, I can prove what I'm talking about because it's right here in front of me on every device I own. It's called My Daily Promise. I hit that button and I read that daily promise. So I've been asked you to do something today that I don't regularly practice. When it seems like that promise is a galaxy away, I pull that out and I read it I try to read it daily. I'm sure there are days I miss it. And you know what I do? I'm just suggesting this to you. You don't have to do this. I read it out loud. I read it out loud. I'm, I just read it out loud. You know why? Because I want, I want to speak it into the atmosphere. Because that matters what you talk about on Saturday. It matters about our Saturday conversations when we find ourselves pressed into something we did not see coming, I need to say, Lord, I want to think on the promises.
that are yay and amen. I just feel like asking you if you want to step out of your seat today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.